Hello and welcome to Fundraising Forward. I am Brittany Schaff, the Global Vice President of Fundraising at Graduate. Today, yes, I have my very good friend, Tyrell Warren Burnett, the Senior Director of Annual Giving at Oregon State University Foundation. Tyrell, welcome to Fundraising Forward. Welcome, welcome. I'm glad to finally be here. You know, it took a while, but you know, I'm here. I'm here. It, uh, it took a while. What's that supposed to mean? I, I just started know. this podcast. I know, I know, I know. Joking, joking. Uh, you said have fun with it. So, you know, you got to roll with it. Um, but Tyra Warren Burnett, uh, Senior Director of Annual Giving uh, at the Oshie Foundation. So I'm excited to be here to talk about all things fundraising and what's happening in the latest and greatest. So uh, tell you a little bit more, more about myself. Um, been fundraising for almost a decade now, which compared to some people is like small potatoes. But looking at it now, like a decade is a long time, especially within uh, the field of annual giving. Um, so right now, uh, I've been at Oregon State four years now, uh, where I oversee the comprehensive multi-channel efforts uh, for the university here. Um, previously, before this, I was at Washington State for about five and a half years in a similar capacity. Um, uh, and then from there, a lot of my background before that was sales, sales and marketing. So I li like to take a lot of what for profit is doing and try to um, mimic um, similar tactics and pick nuggets from here and there. Um, and like a lot of what I did before, I worked for a sportswear company called uh, Moneyball Sportswear. Shout out to Moneyball. Um, uh, with that, I uh, did a lot of their operations, email marketing, but I got a really good feel on uh, the segmentation side and marketing, and uh, as well as just customer service in general. I think a lot of what we do in fundraising now is customer service related, and I think that goes back to my initial roots with um, working for Moneyball, and then like born and raised from from Lansing, Michigan. So I grew up like ten minutes from Michigan State's campus, which is where I ended up going. Up. Excited to be here. Um, can't wait to talk about uh, more about the, the latest and greatest. And then I guess as a side note. Um, before, like I did my my sales career, I had a um, in a former life I was a DJ. So, you know, I might come out of retirement one of these days, you know, and drop drop a mixtape. Oh well, you know, don't tempt us now. And you heard it first on fundraising forward when Tyrell dropped a mixtape. All the fundraisers are going to be downloading this here. Um, Hey, listen, before we get into our topic of, of the session, how to create, measure, and scale donor journeys, let's go back for a second and make sure we have some fun. So for those of you who just picked that up, Tyrell's a, a, a great guy to know. He's super motivated to keep pushing annual giving or philanthropic giving, multi-channel marketing forward. Um, but Tyrell, before we jump into the topic, I, have, I was thinking, I don't know when we met, but I do remember... Um, the topic of what we talked about, which was all about how do you stewardship to actually facilitate more annual giving prospects. And I felt like when we were deciding what topic uh, to pick here for this session, it, got, it gave me frankly like a flashback to it of like the first time we ever spoke. But I'm surely hoping we've evolved over the years and whatever we were talking about is now in the distant past and we're, we're looking forward at different ways to have donor journeys. Without further ado, let's just jump into it. Um, how to create, measure and scale donor journeys. I think the first thing that we should do is define what that means to you and the Oregon State Foundation team. Yeah, uh, I think what's been a hot topic for us, I think more people are starting to gravitate towards the donor journey. I, I liken it from like a 
a customer buying cycle uh, where you have your awareness, consideration, intent, and then actually purchasing the goods. So I uh, look at it from that lens and how we've been able to approach it here is like, how can we have that full fundraising cycle through a donor journey, whether it's through phone or email or direct mail, how can we provide that full cycle? I think a lot of times in fundraising, we, we don't always do stewardship well or the cultivation. So I think the donor journey allows you to really be thoughtful in your approach. And with that, you're kind of meeting the donor where they're at in terms of communication, as well as how they're engaging with you. So if they've been engaging with you through email or phone, you know, those should be your primary methods and how you're kind of outreaching and building that journey and you're kind of condensing, uh, you know, as they say in the for profit, that sales cycle, uh, you want them to renew again. So how do you condense that sales cycle through some of the different um, touch points that you have? So um, that's the philosophy we've been taking. Uh, I know a lot of my uh, people on my team, I've been uh, creating different journeys based on uh, donor types, you know, uh, you know, our methodology and kudos to some members of my team with, with coming up this, uh, Hannah and, and Emily kind of came up with this, with, with this is really having um, thoughtful stewardship with thoughtful solicitations. And I think that's where you get the, the marriage of the journey. So uh, how can you have that holistic retention um, journey based on those two concepts? So that's how we've been approaching it. Starting small, we like to pilot things in terms of uh, the different things that we're doing. So we'll start off with, with new donors. And we kind of started that uh, back in April with our first time donor anniversary video, which is going out a year from once they made their first gift. And now we're kind of adding the building blocks onto what that journey looks like. Um, yeah, so for us, it's just been looking at key segments that kind of move the needle um, for, for us um, as we head into uh, building more pipeline development. So if I, that's a, that was a lot to digest, my friend. Um, I know, I know, I know. So I'm going to try to break it down a little bit, just from my own understanding. Also, hopefully the listeners are smarter than me and pick it all up. But for myself, let's break it down a little bit. Yeah. What's the number one thing you're trying to address by making a donor journey? I think the number one thing is to, um, I think it's, it's retention, retaining that person and, um, meeting them where they're at in terms of how they're engaging with the university. I think um, a lot of times we kind of send blanket emails, mass communications that doesn't necessarily resonate. So at building this donor journey allows you to have a little bit more personalization and you're more thoughtful in your communication approach to that particular donor as opposed to, you know, I'm just going to send this blanket email to, you know, 99,000 emails that we have in the system. That's not always the most effective. There is a point in time where you know, you need to send that, but I think we have to step back and see, okay, how are the donors interacting with us and how can we provide meaningful content? And I liken it, sending the right content at the right time to the right person. Yeah, I liken it to uh, an, a shift from mass marketing to what has become segmented marketing to then transitioning to personalized marketing. And then finally, the last objective and goal really is personal marketing, right? And personal marketing automatically feels personal rather than personalized marketing, which is variable text. Hi, Brittany. Hope you're doing well, right? Um, fascinating. What is something that you had to overcome here. So this is a pretty significant shift and you talked about beta testing and Oregon State is, is known for many things. I think your team is known for also 
doing beta tests, right? Mark on your team kind of is, is famous for it, um, doing beta tests before rolling stuff out. So what is something that you learned in the process that you had to overcome before rolling it up to the broader audience here? Um, I think the, the whole notion of, um, that's a tough one. Uh, Cause we, we played around with it in I think certain segments. Um, so like we have donor experience officers, so they're kind of doing some donor journeys and we are able to learn from that a little bit. But I, I think we realized like we have to do things differently than how we've done things in the past. And we can't just send the same communications over and over thinking that we're gonna have the same results. So I think people have um, got accustomed to the personalization that they see from Amazon and all these other uh, Fortune 500 companies. So now they're looking for higher ed institutions to do the same thing. So how can we emulate the same thing? So I think the biggest thing we have to, to overcome is just the, it's so new to higher ed. Uh, not a lot of um, institutions are doing it. If they are doing it, they're just now dabbling into it from a, a full um, donor journey standpoint. I know there's been some companies that have tried to initiate it uh, a couple years ago, but nothing kind of came from that, but now you're starting to see a lot of people kind of uh, sink their teeth in it, so to speak. Uh, and then from there, kind of roll their sleeves up and see what's working, what's not. But I think the biggest thing that, um, it's just a mind, mind shift within higher ed, because it's just so new. Um, I think those that come from a like marketing background or are really into sales get, get it more than others. So I think that those you'll see who, who will be the early adapters in a lot of these different concepts. and. I think the thing that's going to be the biggest shift and kind of the, helping to facilitate the donor journeys is like sales enablement tactics. So I think uh, sales teams in different corporations, you know, they know exactly where you're at within the sales cycle when, when you're renewing a contract. They want to keep you warm. They want to touch space. So I think that's really how we want to emulate it within our ed spaces, you know, know where the donor at, know where the donor is within their donor cycle. And then from there, you just doing slightly warm touches, you know, to get them aware of what's happening. And then from there, um, you're building other things based on how they're engaging with those communications. Agreed, yeah. Let's, um, I love that you just casually dropped Amazon's name, by the way, in that conversation, <laughs> like it was nothing. But let's, let's, I'm gonna pick that up since you dropped it. So we had Robbie Fitzwater on the podcast a few weeks ago, who's a Mark, we, know, we all know him, he's a marketing expert, oversaw you know, Clemson's program, uh, does a lot in the corporate space now. And he also talked about Amazon, but he flipped it and said, you know, advancement shops might not be able to outperform Amazon, but you can outhuman them. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's what you're actually trying to do here. If you're trying to scale personal messaging similar to a sales enablement technique that we would do in for-profit, but introduce it more as a not-for-profit approach by calling it a donor journey. So you're out corporations like Amazon. Is that essentially what you're trying to do? I, I totally agree. I think uh, we've talked about, about it before, like you can't out Amazon Amazon, but you can't out human Amazon. And I think that's definitely where you go. I think with fundraising in general, and when you're giving your money to our organization, you want to feel a human element, you want to feel that they're stewarding your money, the best ability, and you're building a relationship, and, you know, through, although Amazon does a great job with automation, and, like, you knowing exactly what's in your card, it's not necessarily human, and you're not building that relationship, it's more or less transactional, so I think that's where fundraising has that small nuance, you're building a relationship with these people, uh, you want to see what their passions are, and you want to match that passion back to, 
you know, a fundraising uh, priority that you might have or something that they're really passionate that uh, can make a difference. So I, I definitely think it's a human element. And I think that's where you have still have presentation at scale, but you're still digging deep into the data and knowing exactly more information on how to tailor that based on, you know, the information you have. So I have a follow-up question to that. Um, I love follow-ups. I know you, I know, who doesn't? Um, but my follow-up is this. We usually talk about donor journeys and omni-channel or multi-channel marketing being successful when it's done with major gifts, principal gifts, et cetera. How are you thinking of doing a donor journey or sales enablement technique yep. when it comes to all levels of the pipeline? And since you are in annual giving, let's start there. How are you doing this for constituents who are either at an annual giving donor threshold or are future donors, um, currently not donors? Good, good, good question. Um, I, I think the example that, that I'll use is one that um, will probably implement in a couple months now. Um, so January, February timeline. Uh, with this, you know, not every donor makes their thousand dollar gift in one swoop. So kind of the thought was to, you know, how can you create a, a donor journey that simply reminds the person to make a gift? So similar how you have your pledge reminders within call center, how can you basically do a journey based on that? Um, so um, the thought is to, you know, people that haven't renewed their gift by a certain time to really start a 90-day do donor journey where you're reminding them of their past giving, areas that they've given to, and also um, highlighting how much they've given to in the past up until this point and kind of letting them know uh, along the way that to kind of make that gift and how kind of how we're going to do it is uh, they'll have five touch points within 90 days. So they'll get a first initial email. I will say thank you for your contributions in the past. You know, this is how much you've given the last past fiscal years. Here's the areas of support. Um, and then from there, 15 days later, we'll start kind of an education process. They don't know uh, uh, what, uh, what it means to be a Beaver Leadership Circle member, which is our uh, Leadership Annual Giving Society. Um, they'll get kind of awareness piece more on that information and also get some giving uh, history and then, uh, 30 days after that initial um, touch point, they'll also receive another one, kind of awareness and also uh, a soft ask, but it's still a ask nonetheless. And then from there, uh, another uh, one 60 days out and then another one 90 days out. So that within basically a quarter, they're getting you know, five, six touch points that's reminding them to make their gift throughout the year. So it's the gentle reminders um, that allows people to, to make their gift. And one thing that I think will help us with the donor journeys, we've been able to partner um, with a uh, artificial intelligence company uh, in, in Canada that really helped facilitate this. So uh, not only will we be able to send emails and be able to be able to build the journeys uh, through that particular company, but we'll also be able to learn from that. So we'll be able to see based on you know that that six touch point journey, like we're people are dropping off at the fifth touch point or they're making a gift at the sixth touch point. So from there, we're able to condense what that journey is and see what messaging is working uh, within the emails and kind of tailor our approach based on that. So really looking forward to that one. I think that one is gonna um, kind of be a game changer for us in terms of like having a, a slower reminder process on 
your giving history and as well as, you know, stuff that you've given to in the past. Because I know, I don't know everything I, I've given to in the past in some degree with some organizations. So I think it, it serves as that awareness piece that you would see within like a, a, a buying cycle. Sure. Question. The, the, the process that you've outlined is exceptionally thorough. I think everyone that's listening right now is thinking, huh, makes sense logically. Second question that might come up, at least it is in my mind, what channels are you using to conduct this very thorough process? Yeah, so it's um, right now it's probably going to be a combination, uh, probably email, direct mail, and phone. Um, I think there's, I'm at the approach that one channel is never enough to, to get through the people, uh, especially with open rates. You know, we have a, a pretty good high, high open rate, but that's not going to touch everybody. So it's going to be a combination of um, email, direct mail, and phone. And kind of what my philosophy is, is to kind of learn from our donor experience officer program. Um, they've been doing uh, tests for the last two years using um, building cadences, uh, which include video, email, direct mail. Um, so really taking a lot of learnings from that and applying it to the, those donor journeys. And I feel that, you know, if you can't get a hold of someone via email uh, to send them some type of direct mail piece, so we will build that into the process, which the direct mail piece will probably be later within um, that particular journey. I think that's important to notice when you're creating these structures like a donor journey or a sales enablement approach or whatever it is, to not forget that there are multiple channels that can and should be used. Now, I, I would say, and you're great at questioning what I think as well, but I would say that every channel doesn't have to have the same goal while you use every channel. Yeah, it doesn't have to. You're trying to get 20 donors from an email. That doesn't mean you need to have a 20 donor goal for direct mail or 20 from phone or whatever it is. Uh, that you're using, but to create KPIs based on the channels you have and layer them appropriately. Exactly. All right, let's talk about uh, who is needed to do all of this, right? And the impact it makes on the broader team. So when you're trying to create a donor journey, who on your team is involved in that strategy and execution? And by your team, I mean annual giving and then just the broader DAR team. Um, annual giving team, of course, so there's key uh, stakeholders. So I have like a mini strategy team um, that kind of helped to drive the tactics. Um, so uh, one of our integrated marketing um, uh, positions or constituent engagement um, and stewardship person, and then the person that oversees our bigger leadership circle and also someone from our, our DXOs. Um, so that's kind of the core group that kind of helped with uh, things on the annual giving side. And then as it relates to the broader um, foundation, definitely getting someone from marketing communications because they're going to be the ones that is driving the content um, and developing that and or working with the contract writer. Um, and then from there, uh, anyone from our advancement services, if it involves some type of data point or integration, if it's some, a new system that we're kind of utilizing. But what we've been able to do well is really that first initial meeting, whenever it is, to bring the, the key stakeholders to that meeting, depending on if we need everyone. It could be that we don't need everyone since all the infrastructure is set up in place. Now we're just developing strategy, but we try to uh, get all the key stakeholders in there, which is annual giving, marketing communications, and then 
someone from Advancement Services. What, I mean, it's a pretty um, audacious structure to include essentially annual giving, marketing comms, and advancement services all into one very specific strategy. Some who are listening might be concerned that that would create waves, but I know at Oregon State, it's actually done the opposite. So talk us through about how your approach and your new campaign structures and strategies have actually brought teams together. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think our leadership and um, I think or, organizational overall have been really innovative. I think the last five years, I think we have people uh, in the organization that really appreciate um, innovation, hence why one of our um, people on the, on the, as a VP, one of his titles is Chief Innovation Officer. So the fact that we have that, I think speaks volumes. So I think one thing that we've really taken to heart the last three years is what we call our digital transformation. Um, and with that, uh, I think you've been in on some of those conversations, like you can see it throughout the organization, like our board really likes the innovation and seeing some of the, the forward thinking that we're doing and it kind of permeates throughout the whole organization. And I think as with that digital transformation, it's not just one team's goal. I think it's the whole organization that, and that's kind of how the approach that we take in and then to go a step further, I think one thing that has helped us the last two years is we have a digital advocacy council. And with that, uh, we have um, key members from the foundation that sits on that. And that's a lot of our VPs and AVPs. And then we have three pod leads on one of those pod leads um, from the annual giving lens. And then we have a pod lead that comes from the marketing lens and also one from the, the data side. So you kind of have the, the three, um, three spokes in a wheel, so to speak, as you're trying to develop some of these strategies and our approach has been, okay, how do we want to create this holistic experience for all of our donors through various digital tactics, whether that's through web, email, or online giving portal. Um, so that's helped a lot with looking at it from an organizational lens. So how does this affect not only annual giving, but principal gifts, major gifts, you know, alumni associations. So I think that's really helped from us, you know, get, getting everyone on the same page. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. Getting everyone on the same page is, I think, easier said than done. But I think your point is valid that you have to start somewhere. And this is um, in part where you all started. Um, and you mentioned Graduate being a partner of Oregon uh, State Foundation. We are very, very grateful and um, excited to be partners with you all. Before we end the session, um, let's talk about impact in the future. So you kind of went over the initial impact that you foresee happening with these donor journeys and sales enablement. Is there anything missing that you want to fill in our listeners with? I think that that's the basis of it. I think personalization at scale, I think we've seen it a lot the last um, two years with some universities like really um, doing personalization at scale a lot. But I think the sales enablement tools are going to allow us to do it more efficiently. Um, and then adding that human element, I think that's where uh, kind of where you'll see a lot of the, the big changes. I think uh, a lot of the innovation happens in annual giving, and I think that's really where you'll see a lot of it again this year. Um, so really looking at the donor journeys, but also facilitated by artificial intelligence. Not only you can't just use artificial intelligence in itself, but you can use it to augment your data and then 
use that data within all of your appeals or communications and then feed the machine even more. But I think that's really where you're gonna see a lot more people moving towards how can we be more efficient based on some of the, the new technology that we have. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from that, and you'll laugh because I know you, but my biggest takeaway from that whole statement was don't be scared of tech. That is true. But not only tech, but I think you got to have the people in the process behind it. I think a lot of people get, oh, let's get this new shiny object. Uh, it's going to silver bullet, but you need the people in the process behind it as well to, to get things going. So, Agreed. Um, just another topic we have had listeners on the Fundraising Forward podcast as people process technology from Mo Cotton Kelly at the University of Connecticut Foundation. Terrell, before we wrap up here, I do want to pick your brain on one more thing. Is it now a music that, suggestion or no? Ooh, I was not thinking that. How about we, you think of a lyric that you want to drop at some point before we end, but I'm going to ask you a question in the meantime. Okay. Okay. Um, if you were able to put one FTE on your team that you currently do not have, to help optimize this scalable, measurable donor journey structure that you are creating. What's the responsibility that FTE person would have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would almost, I would say like a research analyst to a degree. Um, so a research analyst that looked at what's working and what's not working for donor journeys or consumer behavior in general, and then how can we apply that to the things that we're doing. So really someone that's researching different marketing techniques and then devising strategies for those marketing techniques that would apply to certain um, donor groups. All that. There was no wrong answer there, but that was great. And yeah. I can totally see it as a helpful uh, position. Tyrell, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to try my very, very best to recap this conversation in a few bullet points, but I know I will not do it effectively and you may call me on it as well. Um, but if I had to take three major takeaways from this conversation, how to create, measure, and scale donor journeys. First takeaway is journeys can be for any constituency level. They do not need to start at leadership annual giving, nor major gifts, and definitely not principal. Create cadences for even future donors to ensure that they convert and create specific cadences per constituency or behavior profile at any level throughout the year. Second, even though digital fundraising has increased by 30% year over year over the last year, don't be afraid and do not ignore all of the channels you have available to you, whether that's direct marketing, phone, and any other form of digital inclusive of email. Third, partner with everyone. Don't be afraid of technology, but make sure that you have the people and processes in place to absorb and scale them. Include your advancement services teams before, not after, you create a campaign like this. And absolutely, if you do not do marketing on your own team, partner with the one or team of individuals who do help you because that's how you scale your content in addition to scaling the strategy. How'd I do there, bud? 
amazing job. You know, a lyric that came to mind, you know, the reasons that we're here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm in fire. Like, I need some, some old school right now. <laughs> For those of you who uh, don't know Earth, Wind, and Fire, please Google it um, and come back to us on next week's Fundraising Forward podcast. Tyrell, I am so excited we were finally able to find some time to do this. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your guidance and knowledge and frankly merging those lenses between fundraising and advancement and sales and sales enablement techniques. I think we all took a lot away from this conversation. Until next week, listeners, I am Brittany Schaff, and thank you for listening to Fundraising Forward.